This week on the Podland Trailcasters. So you uh, you got your, your mic placement all worked out today? Nope. <laughs> I'm like shocked you just have this voice channel open for anyone to just hop in whenever. <laughs> See, that's how Chris feels too. It's almost like radio call-in mode, you know, or being able to kind of have the open studio where we've had a couple episodes where people just kind of show up midway through and a little bit of banter and a little bit of back and forth. The problem is once people show up, I want to get them involved so often that it derails our pod and turns into like a three-hour conversation. You need to learn to take nonverbal cues. You can hear me? Make sure it's not my computer. So can't hear me? Hmm. Rose, can you hear me? <laughs> right, it's not you. It's my computer. Okay, okay, cool. I can hear you both. Oh, you can't hear me? Can you hear me? Hold on. I can hear you. See? You I can can take nonverbal cues. (laughs) Yeah. Women, we think about this all the time. We're like, yeah, no video (laughs) permissions for you. You hardcore Portlanders. My goodness, bro! I'm not. I'm not. I'm not built on on, on, on mild times. I'm built on like hundred hundred meter dashes. Cross, you spread man. yourself with the hose, because you, my friend, are a walking, living, breathing dumpster fire. I can't believe I talked about how ugly that trophy was for like five minutes. Like That's five what I'm saying. Oh, you're out of focus. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Media day. I asked him. I was like, "Hey, I just want to be clarified before we get on the radio show. Is it Gary Payton Jr. or Gary Payton the second? He's like Gary Payton the second. He's my brother's Gary Payton Jr." So Rose's mind is blown. <laughs> no, well, so I'm not a math genius, but that would make him the third Gary yeah. Payton, would it not? I now I have to go Google this later because I really don't understand how math works anymore. Okay, but do you, do you think we really added awards so that they could hand them out with stats? No, they no. want fans no. involved. <laughs> they want a fan thing. fight over them. Crunchy, moist <laughs> flavor. Like, you got your buzzwords, right? Like, yes. oh, first you get the crunch, and then you just get that juice that has all the flavor. Like, dude, I'm, I'm Guy Fieri right now. Like, dude, look at that. All right, quick clap. Three, two, one, Hello, Rip City! To all of you in town and out of town and in every corner of these interwebs, thank you! And you and you and you for tuning in here with you from Hood River. My name is Keith Feltner-Smith and here with me, as always, the on-time Hawaiian, the master of segues, the Mr. Professional, the Christopher Joseph Burkhart. What's up, my good buddy? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing swell. Swell is good. Swell, you know, they, they they call Hood River Swell City out here. I'm not sure if you were aware of that, if you're making some All little right, homage. Taking but... that word out of my vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's 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 become home. You know, I thought you were just uh, being nice, but <laughs> what was I thinking? Only had two more games since our since our last pod last week with Seth. Shout out to him. Good times with that one. But we still have lots to talk about because there was some fantastic happenings just the other night. We will get to that in just a minute, but first, as always, Chris, our internationally renowned, world famous, loved by everyone, love hugs and hate mail. Where are you sending us first? Where are you sending your love this week, sir? Uh, it's twofold. First off, you can't you can't have a, a love hugs and hate mail segment uh, on this week of all weeks without sending love uh, out to the Buffalo Bills and Damar Hamlin, who suffered that cardiac event during that football game on Monday. Uh, and is in the hospital, and hopefully he comes out of this uh, well, or as well as you can be. 
Uh, all signs point to his vitals and stuff improving, which is good. Quick update. As of Thursday, January 5th, the Bills put out a statement. Per the physicians caring for DeMar Hamlin at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, DeMar has shown remarkable improvement over the past 24 hours. While still critically ill, he has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal and he is making steady progress. We are grateful for the love and support we have received. ESPN also quoted a physician on site this morning saying that neurologically intact is a very important phrase as it's, as it's reportedly used when a patient is moving their extremities with some form of purpose, such as being able to grip hands of family at the bedside or responding to commands from doctors. So very good news so far. All love for Damar and his family, and here's hoping for a full recovery. So that is the first place that love has to go to this week. Uh, secondarily, Love also then has to go uh, to GP2, who made his Blazer debut this week, um, which I know Blazer fans had longed for and wanted to see for a while. And it finally happened. And honestly, uh, even in his limited minutes, looked pretty impressive. So, yeah, that's where the love goes this week. Yeah, we'll we'll just keep this rolling right along quick then, because that was exactly my love on both counts. Uh, That was a insane event the other night for uh the the bills Bengals game and yeah like you said all love to damar hamlin and his family hope he's uh recovering and doing okay and you know my i should have known that uh you'd probably have that one covered and so my backup was going to gp2 and you you got me on that one as well chris you're, you're winning bingo so far today good for you it's a weird it's a weird week it's okay to have two yeah <laughs> it's, yeah it's also okay to have two and it's okay to share them i'm good with that man uh all, all the love for, for recovery for damar and you know thank you for uh gp2's recovery hopefully it continues and hopefully we see him ramping up we'll get more into his game from the other night in just a moment but I'm, I'm taking over the lead on hugs. I've got one that I it's kind of a follow-up from last week. I sent out my hugs last week to Josh Hart and his wife, Shannon, uh, for their announcement of twins coming in. And also Shannon's wonderful, very lovely announcement, uh, or just kind of proclamation on Twitter about her and Josh coming full circle in their relationship. And, and you know, just, just very, very cool and, and lovey-dovey for them. And I love cheesy stuff, so I was happy to see it. This week, though, got to kind of, you know, we, we've talked before about the hugs can go positive towards love or kind of negative leaning towards hate mail but not quite hate this one's leaning a little more negative for josh uh and his his fan this week not josh not his uh wife shannon or his twins but josh announced that they got a doberman puppy for new year's which is awesome i'm a a dog person i love hearing some dog news love hearing another blazer going for dogs over cats you know i keep the keep the the dog fam strong here the doberman pup is named nala according to josh uh and he seems stoked about it he seemed real excited to spend some time with her and you know you could tell that he was like looking forward to some puppy time but then josh went on twitter went on rip city twitter and asked about, hey, anyone anyone, uh, give me some advice or some uh, hookups for where to get this dog's ears docked? And, you know, it's 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 not the worst thing in the world. There are, there are far crueler things that people have done to their pets uh, in human history. But uh, Rip City really let him hear about this. The, the general consensus was uh, that's an outdated practice. It's cruel to the pup. It can lead to health issues. It's not necessary. And fan, Rip City was just very overwhelmingly saying, no, Josh, don't. Do it in my opinion hopefully he listened to that it's it's his pup and i'm sure the pup will be fine he's got all the resources in the world to make sure the pup is is happy and healthy in the long run but you know after all the love that josh hart has amassed here in rip city uh with with his play on the court with the announcement about the twins and everything else and just kind of the personality that the twitter uh candidness that he's displayed he got a lot of pushback for this one so hugs to josh hugs to his puppy nala hugs the whole family don't take it too hard just uh just just listen to those dog lovers out there 
You hardcore Portlanders. My goodness. <laughs> I'm, just, My I'm a hardcore dog lover, man. It's just not necessary. It's outdated. Depending on the situation, it does make sense. I actually do kind of wish I, I, I do kind of wish I would have done it to my boxer. My boxer has big floppy ears big and floppy super ears, yeah. energetic, and he's got a freaking hard head. And <laughs> every time he flops his ears, I have to go clean blood because he opens. He he, oh, he has yeah. opened up the tip of his ear from yeah. shaking his head and then it will heal and then something will get him super excited he'll run around and he'll flop, boom next thing you know he opens it back up so sometimes like man if 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 i got his ears clipped or whatever the hell you call it like it wouldn't he wouldn't hit him yeah he wouldn't flop so so there are instances keith i am with no, I you, hear you on, on the I don't I, uh, doing it for for purely aesthetic purposes is weird right. your dog is beautiful as he is but for some breeds it does make sense and i do think the boxer can be one of them because my poor guy i feel so bad every time he hits his ear on his head then it looks like a murder scene you've been to my house and then i gotta go clean the wall because it just he'll and he'll break it open and then he keeps doing it and it just it launches blood it looks like an episode yeah. of dexter or something in my hallway point is there's there's there are times when it there are makes situations. sense yeah and, i'm just look, not I mean, doing it for purely aesthetic reasons I think maybe what made a lot of people nervous is when Josh Hart even brought this up, he didn't call it docking, which is kind of what's you know considered to doctor them and take off that excess flop. Yeah. He called it propping or something like that, where it's uh, very much more about kind of the aesthetic look and get the pointy Doberman. You know, we'll see how it goes. This is going to be tracked because we are dog people around here and Josh Hart, all of his Twitter stuff gets tracked anyway. So we'll follow up on this. Plus, most people think of a Doberman, they think of those docked ears. Yeah, those pointy ears. And have you ears, ever seen yeah. one without the pointy ears? They're adorable. They're f oh, they're amazing. <laughs> they're, they're very adorable. floppy ears. How about your hugs this week? Where are you going? I'm going to send it to uh, to Cleveland and our boy D. Mitch dropping a oh, 71 yeah. burger there. Huge. 71 nuggets. People get mad because, yes, I, yes the, the, the referees did miss. Uh, the, that was an egregious uh, lane violation huh. call that they did not call. And, yes, it took overtime to do it. I don't care if it took four overtimes to do it. Do you know how hard scoring 71 points in a game is? 71 points amazing. on 34 shots, man. It was insane. Zero turnovers. A nuts game. Great style. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and th that's the thing, too. Uh, uh, he, he, I think it was 22 of 34 or something. Yeah. Yeah. That. I think that was uh, exactly 71 it. points. Incredibly efficient. That's a, so that is good. an efficient 70-point game. 11 assists uh, with it, too. Like he just uh, eight, uh, eight, yeah. eight or nine rebounds. Eight rebounds, I think. Yeah, just. Just yeah, it's just, it, it's incredible and it's uh one of those things that's just funny like utah boy ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> Maybe, I, I i think there's something here as i've said on the fifth quarter in game day with chad before um there's something to be said here that utah was supposed to be a dumpster fire after trading everybody uh and they've looked good for a young team they've had their ups and downs but they're not bad cleveland got donovan mitchell who's playing at an all nba level like he's playing all nba first team type right now right and minnesota who some of us thought would work i was one <laughs> of them uh if i'm gonna toot my horn when i'm right i gotta i, I gotta womp womp when i'm wrong too i gotta be <laughs> fair uh minnesota is a dumpster fire absolutely and yeah, only one of those trash. things has a common thread and that would be mr rudy gobert so <laughs> ooh, boy maybe utah should just give up on him instead of blowing up the whole thing Hey, man, like, you heard me hating on Rudy the other week, uh, and I, I got to be true about this, too. I, we've got receipts where I've been saying from the beginning it was not going to work for Minnesota. It was a bad plan, uh, and, you know, they, they took a shot. The Twin Towers thing, though, the two bigs, just it's not – you can't zig the way you, – you can't zig while everyone else zags in the modern league that way. It's just it's just not yeah. winning combo. I thought – I still think it could work if they coached better. Like, it's so weird, though. It's like they, they, they have a guy in Cat who can – 
spread the floor for a big, yet they clog the paint with he and Gobert, which takes away from Anthony Edwards' strong point, which is getting into the lane and getting to the rim. But because he has two giant-ass bigs who just sit in the paint, it it never draws the defense away from the paint, so he can't go do what he's best at. Like that's it, this, It's not all just the roster construction and then the obvious... Um, clashing of personality types between cat right. and Rudy Gobert without getting into it. If you know, you know, right. Uh, <laughs> but outside of that, there, there's some coaching things here. It's just not playing to the strengths of the roster. It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's strange. And you know, I hear what you're saying. Better coaching could help. Speaking of Minnesota, better we'll find out. Help. Yeah. 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 We'll we're find out we'll... later tonight after this recording. Right. So yeah, that game did not go. I think how we expected a 113-106 loss to the Timberwolves is not how we wanted to start the road trip, but we will talk more about that next week. Cat's not even playing tonight. He's still out. Uh, I heard Torian print. Never mind. We'll get into all that in a minute. We'll get into yeah. the, the game stuff later. How about hate? You want to go first or second on hate mail? You got anything scratching at you? Oh yeah, I'm going straight first here. All right, uh, give it to me. Social media. Yeah, my hate is going to social media and big wig talking heads who just want to make points after this demar hamlin stuff went down okay so this demar hamlin again for those you don't know suffered a cardiac event on monday night football had to have cpr on the field had to have an aed which also blew my mind watching on twitter how some some people didn't know what an aed was (laughs) so shout out to the just two fans podcast where my buddies said uh people just you don't have to be an emt just go get your CPR certification so you know these things so you can be, you can be <laughs> of assistance, right? Anyway, the hate goes out to dumbasses. First off, you got <laughs> you got Skip Bayless, right, who tweets oh out his thing God. about uh, and and about how do they even uh, reschedule this game? And I I, I I get what he was trying to say, but his wording and like, he didn't stick the landing, right? Dude, like it was so it was very, very poorly thought out. So he got ripely roasted. Everyone knows that one. What irritates me more is that you got like guys like uh, Robert Smith, former NFL player, who goes out and tweets about SVP because SVP said the same thing. Not the same thing, but similar to what Skip said. On his show, he said, yeah. I don't know how the, the league goes forward with, with rescheduling this game, how they do that, when that happens, blah, blah. And Robert Smith goes, oh, if you're going to if you're going to get mad at Skip, you got to get mad at SVP. We're humans. We're not just we're here for your entertainment, but we're just here for twi- uh, you know your Twitter clickbait and uh, our Twitter got you moments. So I quote tweeted this dumb <laughs> and I said, the irony of your tweet is that tweet is a Twitter got you moment. You're trying to got you SVP because he said literally right. all he said was, how do you go about rescheduling this game? How and when that happens? I don't know. That game being suspended is part of the narrative of the evening. OK, so it does yeah. at some point. At some point, it has to be talked about, whether that's comfortable or not. Secondly, don't try to got you SVP two hours after the incident happened, when for the last two hours on air, SVP has been saying nothing but how the only thing that matters is the health and well-being of Damar Hamlin. Then you got Bart Scott, right? Just go, just get off my airwaves, go do your thing, but just do it out of the public eye because what you said of all the things that were said is truly the biggest piece of shit of all the pieces of shit out there. And what he said is he was trying to blame this, this like random, this random event that could have happened to anybody, anywhere, anytime. He's trying to blame it on the player that hit him as he was being tackled. Yeah, that's, in, that's insane, dude. That's absolutely insane. Do you not think that that guy has it weighing on his head enough that in the middle of a football play, he was the last person to touch that? that guy and it was that impact that caused that cardiac event 
that's weighing on him, but it's not his fault. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's 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 absolutely asinine to me that anyone would even think that it's stupid. But the thing is, Keith, I'm I'm an F1 fan. I got I've got into F1 this last year watching Drive Another to Survive on Netflix. Highly, highly highly recommend it. F1 has had drivers die on the track from a wreck. Right. The unfortunate event led to more safety down the line because things happened that people didn't even think of. Right. Think yeah. of uh, like uh, one one racer that everyone knows because not a lot of people know F one racer, but think of like Dale Earnhardt. Right. Dale Earnhardt died after from the the impact uh, in the Daytona five hundred race, and because of that, NASCAR realized that the safety of their car was not up to par. And they completely redid the safety of the head and neck for their drivers and have put them in a much safer position ever since. Well, so, so I'm not saying you need these things to happen. I don't want I don't ever want this to happen. But when you learn from these things and, and you get better, it's it's that's what has to happen. Right. So right. hopefully the NFL can find a way to do that. My, my my long story short here, Keith, all these people who tweeted about anything but DeMar Hamlin's health. Or tried to get got you moments out of someone like SVP. Everyone, yeah. just chill. Just, just chill. chill a little yeah, bit, dude. So. Focus on the important stuff. Focus on Demar Hamlin's health. Where you where where you canceled where you cancel the sport, Keith? Where you cancel the sport, or when that becomes a conversation that realistically needs to happen, is when these things continue to happen and the leagues yes. involved with them don't take the precautions to fix them. And, and that's what I was, yeah, that's what I wanted to, even with what you're saying as far as F1, what you're pointing out there is that they learned from the tragedy and they, they, they evolved the sport, moved on. I want to know what football will do about this. Like maybe if, even if it's something as simple as changing the padding, you know, putting that cup into the solar plexus oh, the, to yeah. just protect the body more. If you want to see the NFL learn from this experience and again, keep the focus on DeMar Hamlin and his health. Absolutely. Uh, it, 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 SVP, he's got a point as far as, uh, you know, like you, you should, as fans, when you see tragedy like this, you should ask questions. You should ask, yes. how do we go forward? Yes. How, like, how can we continue f- feeling okay about this? Doesn't mean it has to stop, but yeah, you have to have those conversations and just keep it focused on the growth. All right, my hate mail is sticking with the social media world, kind of like what you said as far as people's reaction to the Demar Hamlin stuff and some of the you know, media fatheads. Not NFL though. This could almost be love with how this went down, honestly. But my hate <laughs> mail is going out to Andrew Tate. <laughs> the love could go to Greta Thunberg uh, for uh, basically helping the Romanian government take down this dude, Andrew Tate, a former kickboxer, I think. Uh, sure. Tate has been allegedly involved in human trafficking, and he's been wanted in, R- in Romania for a while. He got into some stupid social media battle with uh, uh, climate activist Greta Thunberg. He writes her about how many cars he has, blah, 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 how much he's doing to the environment. She writes back about, oh, small dick energy email. And he comes back with a... I don't know, like several minute video of him in like a smoking jacket and a cigar ordering pizza from off screen from a friend and says, don't recycle these boxes. Just trying to make all these jokes about climate activism ends up those pizza boxes were from a particular uh, Romanian pizza chain that the government then used to identify him officially being able to say, oh, he's in the country right now. Uh, and we're going to go raid his properties. And they caught him and his brother. They're, they're now in cuffs for, for the things they've done. So that is where my hate mail is going for the week is going to human trafficker chauvinist sexist misogynist and downright disgusting person andrew tate that wraps up this week's love hugs and hate mail and in just a few minutes we'll be joined by the co-host from the blazers what pod rose harding but before we get there listeners i've got to remind you 
There's a lot going on with the Trailcasters beyond just this podcast, and we want you to be part of it. You could be involved in live episode recordings of this pod. You can connect with other podcasters, content creators, artists from all over Rip City. You could get access to game night tickets with a third bench fan group or take part in game night chats when you can't make it to the arena. We've also got swag exchanges, lots of random channels about movies, music, and anything else you're interested in. All of this by fans of the Blazers, for fans of the Blazers like you, like me, like Rose, like Chris. What you've got to do is come and join us on Discord. The link is in the episode description. It is a ton of fun and the community is only growing. Come and join us and don't miss out on all the entertainment. One of our newest members of that community, Rose, will be with us in just a minute, but in the meantime, let's pay some bills. Listeners, we are in the thick of the NBA season and there are so many variables right now. Can Dame stay healthy enough to lead the team or are we going to have to rely more on Jeremy? Will the Blazers make a move before the deadline or are we going to wait for the offseason? Can we make the playoffs straight up or are we going to get stuck in the play-in tournament in the middle of this stacked Western Conference? One thing's for sure, I know when I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's not even the only promotion they have with DraftKings, but let me say this again so you're totally clear. Download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN for the Basketball Podcast Network. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do win. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, welcome to the pod. First time guest for us. I am stoked to have you in here. It also completes another one of our podcast host sets. Although I guess we we don't have the full busted bucket set any uh, anymore either because they added a new co-host. But completing our set from the Blazers What Pod. Tara Bowen Biggs co-host Rose Harding joining us today. How are you, Rose? Thank you so much for being here. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. You and I have had conversation before, and I feel like I've followed you on Twitter for a while. I recognized your uh, your profile pic when I went and found you. But the other day, when I was uh, after I listened to the last episode of the What Podcast, I went and found you, and and I wasn't following you on Twitter. So I'm not sure if I did that or if you unfollowed me when I said something crazy. But either way, I apologize. And that thank one. you for coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely. I mean, there's an odds on favorite. I'm just saying, just in case. It could be either way. If something happened, I don't remember it. Yeah, okay, that's that's fair. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Rose, the big thing that, uh, again, like I, I've I've thought for a while about wanting to get you on here, wanting to get you in the Discord, too. And see, I, I tricked you. I got you on here for the pod, and I got you to join the Discord. So two birds with one stone. I, uh, I, my plan is working. The real trigger for today that I wanted to make sure I got you on was when I heard your and Tara's last episode, wrapping up 2022, counts of three things you remember from 2022, two things you want to forget, and one thing you're looking forward to in 23, right? The three, two, one. I actually, I made my own list uh, when Tara posted the episode, and we were talking about that in the Discord here. A bunch of us were kind of going and giving our own as well. But the other thing you guys had on that pod was something that Chris and I talked about last week as well, and it didn't actually make our final cut. We are going over last week, Dame's milestone being set and being celebrated here at home versus Charlotte. And in that celebration, they had some great videos from former teammates, from other players around the league. He had some really nice coverage from Lamar Hurd, uh, kind of uh, emceeing the whole event after the game. And then you also had this tr trophy. And I'm going to put air quotes up there for trophy because I guess it was a trophy. But it it's, it's weird to me because this is the year where we've seen the NBA remodeling all of their 
MVP awards, MIP, and, and all, all the all the NBA awards, and they're going into the details. They're showing us kind of the infographic breakdowns of, oh, here's what this symbolizes on the trophy, and here's how this references these former players. And so, you know, like you combine that with what we saw, the summer league rings come out, like they went over the top to make these look like championship rings. And we even talked about that on a previous episode about how I thought that was too much to uh, kind of too too similar to what a championship ring looks like. You're going too big for a summer league ring. All of that would make me think, okay, this Dame milestone, it's a big deal. We might not see someone break this in our lifetimes. This record stood for 33 years before Dame took over. And the trophy they give him was a... A, a basketball hoop, a, a weird upside down vertical bird, uh, bird's point of view basketball hoop on like a wood block. It wasn't shiny. It didn't look cool. Look, I'm, I'm not all about everything being chromed out either. I'm not, I don't need like the glass sculptures for everything. But Rose, what, what was this? <laughs> what was this? I, dude, I don't know. So <laughs> I kind of went off on this trophy on our podcast, but I'll just say this. This was not a surprise record for him to break they had right. plenty of time to think about what this trophy was going to look like right yeah. when you accumulate that many points you know that this record is going to be broken it was a matter of when this season it wasn't a matter of if that looks like a trophy that you throw together like oh shoot like, right we need a trophy what do we yeah. have in storage because it's like a regulation it's a regulation yeah. hoop that they pulled out and then they strung like a little like the little plaque in the middle. I don't even know if you call that a plaque in the middle. <laughs> That's not made of anything fancy. And I was like, well, if you if this was like a design choice and you wanted it to look like a basketball rim, make a trophy designer design you something that looks like a beautiful basketball rim, not like a literal basketball rim from your like storage. It could have been could have been bronzed. It could have been in gold. But no, they went to Dick's and probably <laughs> bought the cheapest one. Like, I know it sounds weird because, you know, Jody Allen and her brother, they, they were, they're ball. rich and this and that. But like, this is the equivalent. Of, and we know because we can smell our own. Right. <laughs> no, this is the equivalent of, of telling like going to pay less shoes to buy those lookalike Doc Martens and then roll, rolling around with those in the 90s. It's, it's right? a knockoff. Oh, I got Doc Martens just like everyone else. But everyone can smell them from a mile away because they got wet once and they know that you paid ten dollars for them. Yeah, that's what this is. It was so bad. I, so, and that's the other thing is like that trophy to me didn't like demonstrate like the thought that I feel like they could have put into something that was been in the making for 10 years. And, right? it, didn't, and it didn't put like it didn't. I don't know. It just didn't make it look as special as it should have been. But Tara brought up a good point, which was what did Clyde's look like? And I don't know. Oh, I so, don't know either. That's a very good question. If Clyde uh, looked crappy too, maybe you don't want to go up and like come out of the pocket with like you know like raining money down <laughs> on this trophy to make Clyde feel bad about his. So maybe look, man, if if if, if this is about protecting Clyde's feelings, I, again, we talked about this last week with Chris and I. I'm gonna need Clyde to step up a little bit here. I I, I, I hear what you're saying. Maybe the trophy back then just wasn't uh, very uh, uh, celebrated. But again, we've seen what the NBA has been doing with these awards. They've been trying to really put awards for lack of a better term up on a pedestal. They've wanted these things to be things that fans and players admire and and relish. And that that trophy's just not it, man. <laughs> it's like like you're saying about the the basketball hoop was weird. It looked like a cheap thing that you get at Dicks like Chris said. And maybe we do hear 
you know, the NBA will come out, or the Blazers will come out with an infographic in like a week, and it's going to say, oh, this was the rim that Dame hit that free throw on uh, in, Oklahoma, in Oklahoma City. This is the rim that he hit his 18,041st point on. And so maybe it has some real symbolic value. Maybe. But even like you said, the plaque inside, it looks like it was painted on. It's like, you know, if you rub that thing hard enough, you're not going to know who scored the, the points. It wasn't like inscribed. It wasn't if some... If it had been that rim, though, the rim that he scored his, his record-breaking points on or whatever, like... They should dip that in gold and then get yeah. it. Yeah. You know I mean? Like something. you can you can make that an element if that's really your whole thing. But like right. make it nice. And also right. like I, mean, <laughs> I gotta be honest, the thing on the inside, that is the thing that told me I'm like, this is just a regular old hoop. Because yeah. center didn't even look super fancy or nice. And if like it you didn't. were gonna do that the whole way and put it on that rim, like make the center really, really fancy. I didn't even think was his name on it. Like it looks, hey, it looks like spray painted. Yeah, his, his, his name is on the base. On the bottom not of the it, actual, not even the middle? It's on the base. Come on, man. God. Literally, the, 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 the big giant, like the big part of it that you guys are talking about that hangs in the middle, all it says is Trailblazer's all-time scoring leader. That's all oh, it says. So it gets everything but his name in the middle. That's so weird, dude. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. Does it have the points, the number of points on it? The point, the points are on like the, the base of the hoop, the part that would connect to the backboard. So so, so the, his the, name the, and the, the points are down there, but then the title well, is Well, no, listen, no, listen, no, listen. So the middle of the rim says Trailblazers all-time leading scorer in big letters around the logo, right? Then at the base of the rim, where it would connect to the backboard, it has his points. Then at the base of the trophy, the thing that the rim is, is drilled into to hold up, that's where it oh, says God. Damian Lillard. That's crazy, dude. I, I don't, as a, as a design, like as an artistic design aesthetic, I don't understand it. I don't get it. That's weird. Yeah, that's not great. And I know <laughs> that the trophy isn't the thing. Obviously the thing that he did was amazing, but like the fact that we didn't put more care into making that trophy feel really special makes me kind of sad because we may not ever make one again. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's, it's this was a unique thing. It's not something that's going to happen every year or every time we have a new star leading the team. It should have been it should have been special. It should be something that players and fans can admire. It it shouldn't look like something that you got out of the bargain bin at Justin's trophies in yearbook. <laughs> All right, listeners, if you have opinions on the trophy or on the Blazers play so far or on Gary Payton's uh, or on GP2's return which we're about to get into, you should come and join the Discord. We have a whole handful of podcasters, other content creators, local artists. You can get in on live episodes of this pod, live episodes with Tara and and Rose on, on the Blaze Web Pod and their Discord as well. We have swag exchanges. We have game night chats with friends. You can get ticket access with a third bench fan group. Shout out to them. Shout out to all the, all the people on Discord. All of it is created by fans of the Blazers, for fans of the Blazers, like you, like me, like Rose, also like Chris, whether he admits it or not. Listeners, come and join the Discord. The link is in the episode description. The big news that came out this week, Monday, we had we finally had the debut of Gary Payton 2. He received his ring last Friday against Golden State, and I think a lot of us kind of assumed that would be the night that he'd play. It didn't end up happening that way, but instead we got to see his debut Monday against the Detroit Pistons. He ends up putting up seven points, two rebounds, four assists, one steal in about 13 minutes of play. He had a bit of a tweaked ankle early in the first, uh, for, after the first shift as well, right? After the first quarter. And we 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 saw him kind of, there was some debate about if he needed to be pulled immediately after the ankle uh, rolled over. Chauncey ended up leaving him in there for maybe about three more plays. And then after, as soon as he got pulled out, we saw him get on the bike on the side and kind of working on that cardio still. So there was maybe some concern about, is he not quite ready? Is he already kind of, you know, is he, is he pushing back too quickly here? But 
how do you guys feel? Obviously, this is not Gary Payton. Uh, this is not GP2 at his 100% pace, but do you think this is... Was he being rushed back? Do you think this is about what you expected to see in his debut? Uh, Chris, let's go to you first. Like how, how concerned are you with the injury versus how excited are you to see what he can do with the team? I'm not concerned about the injury at all. Um, it, it happens. Probably just the body being... A little rusty. Uh, I, I'm more excited about getting him on the court. I thought he looked good. Uh, his defense, I think, was as advertised, especially considering he hadn't been on the court for a while. He had some really good one-on-one matchups. He led to a couple steals, even though he didn't didn't get credited for them. There's one we talked about in right, our Discord right. there, that pick and roll on Joseph, where uh, Eubanks got credited with the steal because he got the deflection. I thought he looked good. I'm not worried about the injury. I think there's a, there was other things I was worried about uh, uh, with him. I mean, I think it's a, it's a bit of a red flag to me that he's been cleared physically, basically, for the last month. <laughs> like there, There's other hurdles that he's had to get over. Um, I didn't expect him to play against Golden State. I think that's the last thing I would have wanted him to do because if there's a game that you're going to press – hard mm. and re-injure or re-aggravate anything it's playing against your former team on the night they hand you a championship ring that's a fair um, point but outside of that like I, I think the ankle will be fine the core is gonna get through that he's gonna he's gonna figure that out i'm just more excited to finally see him on the court yeah i kind of felt the same way like i when he rolled the ankle i was like oh i didn't i didn't like to see him like pull up like that but you know it's it's not like related to the injury that he was rehabbing from um right looked pretty light he walked it off um but I, you know, when I watched him play, I mean, I remember this about seeing him play when he wasn't on our team. But like, he's like a very physical player. And mm. when you see a guy that runs around and is that physical, you can imagine how hard it would be, like, how hard it would feel to be, to be confident again um, with a core injury. Right, right. Because this right. guy is like, he's like all gas, no brakes. He's on the floor. He's everywhere. And like, if, if I played that way, I would, like, I don't know that I would trust my body until I knew for sure, like. I had gone like pretty hard in practice because those like core injuries are kind of tricky, right? Like you feel, you don't feel them when you're walking around in your everyday, like the way you do things like every day and maybe not even in light practice, but it's like really when you're getting into it in game type situations where you really test it out and see, you know, where you feel kind of funny, you know, and well, things and, can feel tight. And we even heard from Billups, I think uh, uh, last week or earlier this week that, he hasn't been involved in all of the practice activities. So like you said, he, he, he still is definitely ramping it back up. He's not, you know, I, I think maybe that was maybe where some of the concern came in of like, well, if he's not ready for all the practices, why is he ready for a game? And Chris, I think you make a very good point. Maybe throwing him in last Friday against his former team on a night when he's already hyped up. That probably wasn't the, probably wouldn't have been the, the smartest idea. So, you know, I, I appreciate that logic. I can see why it made sense to hold him out here. Did you expect his game one to be about 13 minutes or do you think we would have uh, hoped for more? Uh, off the bat no it's it's a it's a uh, it's lower than i thought by about a minute i most okay, times when okay. a guy comes in off an injury and they have a minutes restriction which you knew he had going in it's almost always at that 15 minute mark so i that's what i thought he was going to play uh was 15 what the interesting part keith of course will be as he shakes off this rust and finds his footing how many minutes is he allotted on a on a nightly basis it's probably in the mid 20s yeah. right uh but no i fully expected him to not play a second over 15 minutes myself also they didn't report his minute restriction they just said that there was one exactly and so I, yeah i kind of wondered if they just were waiting to hear like feedback from him about how many minutes he felt good playing on his first i could see back. that i could see that and and like you said as well rose when he was playing you could tell that 
uh, like, like I mentioned as well, when when he came off after his first shift, he gets right back on the bike. You could see kind of some winces. You could see maybe he wasn't kind of like fully kind of extending. That, that could also just be speculation in my own head. But I know we heard that this isn't just an injury, the core one. It wasn't just an injury that he's dealt with once. He's had this happen multiple times over his career. So I can absolutely understand where maybe he's a little ginger as he kind of, you know, gets back in and just kind of dipping his toe in the water, not diving in the head first. And again, that's probably a smarter approach overall. Uh, see, the, the only thing that bothers me about that, having dealt with the body for so long, and you and I have had these conversations, Keith, when you, when you go 50%, if you will, I'm not saying mm-hmm. you did, but if you go anywhere where you baby that thing and you're too worried about re-injuring it, more often than not, that's what causes a, a, a re-injury because you are, you're not playing in your normal way and you're putting right. yourself in compromised positions protecting um, it or compensating for it with yeah other, or yeah. overcompensating in other yeah. ways and little things like that that you worry about and of course there's the mental side i mean i've talked about it with like uh dislocating my shoulder before and how certain movements on the basketball court like i just i would t-rex arm it i'd go up with like one arm <laughs> for a rebound just scared that i was going to hurt my other not one to stretch know? yeah totally. and you saw you saw myers leonard do that when he dislocated um his shoulder took him a while to get over that mental hurdle he hasn't talked about it, but it's obvious that it took Nurk some time oh, yeah. uh, with the leg. There's things there. The only concern is that you you baby it too much that you either re-injure it or re-injure other parts of the body compensating for that. So I would hope that that's, that's not the situation there. I feel like it's good business to just also let players have like a, a lot of say in what they mm. trust their body to do and how confident they feel. I think about like what happened with the Spurs and Kawhi Leonard, and that really like caused a huge rift between right. him and the organization. Oh, yeah. And that like drove him away. Great point. And so like being really patient with guys is, I think, a little bit about trusting the player, but also the player building that trust with the organization as well. Okay, so third factor in that though too, uh, fan pressure. Uh, you you bring up Kawhi in the Spurs, and I'm with you where that came a lot from the team, uh, at least as far as the friction with between the the player and the team. But we look at another example that I brought up in Discord, and I know it's not quite the same. Uh, but Ben Simmons and Philly, uh, a lot of that pressure, some was coming from the team, but some of that was coming from the fans as well. And I, is there any concern with Gary Payton as far as the fan impression here of like, oh, you know, does he need to be? there's been some talk about, oh, is there a mental aspect to, to him not coming back sooner? And the, the continuous kind of two weeks and then two weeks and then two weeks kind of thing and fans starting to get irked about that. Even though, like we talked about on previous episodes, Chris, the team nor Gary Payton ever said two weeks and then he's back. It was always two weeks and then he'll be reevaluated. So it made <laughs> right. sense. Uh, it made sense for him to delay. And like you said, Rose, come back when he's comfortable. That is a much better situation than the team or the team doctor saying, you're ready, now go. But uh, yeah, do you, do you think, do you think GB2 feels the fan pressure? Is that a factor in this? I hope not. When have fans <laughs> ever been rational? <laughs> I yes. mean, ben, ben, Simmons, ben Simmons was in a fight with Philly fans. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hope that those guys have, like, the mental fortitude to be like, well, the fans don't know what's best for me because we right, obviously right. don't. And, like, we're not <laughs> rational agents. And, like, when it, like, fans being happy, it's like, I was saying this to Tara on the podcast this week that, like, it exists in a very delicate zone, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like, like a the Goldilocks bit, zone for sure. Like, yeah, it's like, and they're like a little bit outperforming your expectation. Like they, they like that's where fans are happiest. And <laughs> as soon as it's not in that zone anymore, then they're like, blow it up, trade the train, tank. Like, <laughs> you know, like I hope that these guys are not really listening to fans because we're just not rational agents and we don't know what's in their best interest. I don't, I don't think he felt any pressure. I think if you read between the lines, I think there was some pressure coming from 
the organization a little bit, which is a little bit more fair because the organization goes, okay, you, you're our big, our big signing. We, we want you out there. Obviously you saw the reports that, you know, uh, from Chris Haynes and there's a re see these, these, these journalists are so good at what they do. Like Chris's Chris Haynes tidbit about GP was buried in an article with a, a headline about Trey young. Right. <laughs> like, oh, right. But, right. Uh, but the, the team had expected him to be ready a month earlier so end of november beginning of december some things took uh, some time there you had the fiasco with damian lillard and chauncey billups saying that he was a full participant at practice then the blazers posted those videos to youtube but omitted those two answers <laughs> out of that youtube video they got pressure from some from some of the other journalists and other people who had already seen it so they took those videos off youtube and then put them back up in full and you got to remember if you start uh, again, connecting the dots, like Damian Lillard said he's a full participant. Cha uh, Chauncey Billups says he's a full participant. Then after that little fiasco, the next week, it's like, oh yeah, well, he's he's been playing three on three. So it went from he was a full participant to three on three. Like there's a lot right, of stuff right. here that like, I think the, I think like the organization didn't want anything to get out that he's practicing full because if there is any setback and they have to set out one of those press releases and say he's going to be reevaluated another two weeks on January 20th or whatever. And it's like, what happened? He was he was practicing full the other day. And then I think the organization was same thing to kind of Rose's point, just like letting a player trust their body and get to the point. It's like, hey, Dame, coach, I, I get what you're doing, but let's 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 call the dogs off for a second. Let's turn the heat down a little bit. Like we don't need to put heat on this guy. Just let him get ready, especially if you're Joe Cronin. And you know that you paid this guy, you know you have him locked up for a little bit, and you also know that unless you make another move, this Blazers team is still Not building itself. Yet. Yeah, still So building, the pressure yeah. to get GP on right now versus having him healthy for next year, maybe when you get some more pieces. So there's a lot of stuff that went in. I think you have a dog in Chauncey Billups, right? Former champion, NBA player who just who played hurt a lot. You have Damian Lillard, who obviously has played hurt a lot, who in their mind it's like dude let's just go let's get out there and then you have gp who's like dude like you got to think about this this is the first time gps had just get fat guaranteed money right and i'm not going to say what the other people say like oh now he's being a baby because he has guaranteed money no he realizes that his next contract is going to depend on his health and him playing to the best of his ability so why rush that out there risk injury this and that then you get stuck in a nasir little situation right where everyone goes oh that's oh, a cheap deal but that's because he knew he, <laughs> he he knew he had to take guaranteed money where he could he get it again, his health. now he's out with an injury again yeah. so uh there's a lot of things here that i think there was pressure coming from certain spots um i think they pulled back that pressure smartly allowed him to just get comfortable and I think the situation's fine. I'm not putting blame on anyone. But if, yeah, again, just to our larger point here. Yeah, he ain't feeling fan pressure. This ain't Philly and Ben Simmons. If Chris, <laughs> is, Chris is right that there's pressure on him from the organization a little bit. I kind of wonder if it's about the management wanting to see what he looks like with this team to know if they should do anything before the yeah. trade deadline. The trade deadline is like, it's not here, but it's approaching. And they want to get a couple of good reps to like see what his he's going to look like with this team no that's that's spot on that, that's absolutely spot on rose and through the sourcing that that i do have there there has been some internal pressure not in a negative way let's make that clear just more like basically your employer saying come on are, are, how are we doing how, yeah. how are we going when is it you is talk about well you talk about trade deadline real quick and what they could do they might need to make a move things are going to be really crazy here because uh, as i've talked about with chad on the fifth quarter and such like 
if you hit the trade deadline and you're four or five games out in a wide open West, you might have to make a big move because again, it's wide open. You never know what could happen. And you look at, you look at Gary Payton, you look at Josh Hart, you look at justice Winslow, you look at, to a lesser extent, like a trend in Watford, you got a lot of guys right now who play a very, very similar game, right? The, we're going to be a defender. We're going to get rebounds. We're going to push tempo. Like, so you have expendable pieces. It's more about which one do you want to keep? Which one is your trade mm. asset? Which one could get you more? Like so, you, so to Rose's point, which is I think 100% spot on, we need to get you out there so we know if that's an asset that we want to get rid of, an asset that we want to keep, an asset that we want to keep and build around. Like there's so much to it. When, again, when you're in a wide open West and you might feel that window is a little bit more open than you thought it was at the beginning of the year. Um, so right or wrong, I think that's, that's a, that's a, I think that's a great point. Absolutely. We're approaching a deadline. It's decision time. You know, like the team has to know which, uh, which, which fork in the road we're about to, about to take as we, as we approach this. And yeah, I, I think seeing what Gary Payton contributes is a huge part of that. So let's talk about that. We, we discussed his minutes. We discussed kind of the load. What was the impression of, of his impact in the, in that game one? I, obviously, like we said, this is only 13 minutes. He's not playing full 100% Gary Payton yet, and he should take his time to get there. But do you see from that one game sample, do you see Rose something that says, yeah, this dude is a game changer for the Blazers. This is going to vault our defense from the 26th to 20th or something like that. Like how, how what's your impression uh, so far and what's kind of your expectations for what he could do for us? You know, I, one of the things that I've, I feel like we've lacked a lot in our time in like the, probably like the last 10 years is like a really great guard defender. Mm, um, I guess Wes yeah. Matthews is the last one I can think of that was really like kind of a dog defender out there. And I don't think that Ant's going to be that guy. I think that Ant feels like a very offensive minded shooting guard. And sometimes you just need to throw a defensive minded guard out there with an offensive minded guard and just see what happens. Because obviously Gary Payton is not like, it's not like he can't shoot the ball, but if he can, sh- if he can shoot that corner three and help put pressure on other guards, that's like maybe like a crunch time lineup, right? Yeah. Because one of the, and one it- of the hard- hardest parts for me, I think, is seeing Ant in defense. Cause it's, I think he's, he's, he's still <laughs> figuring it out. You can see like the wheels turning in his brain and like the decisions sometimes come a little bit slower for him. And I really want there to be like, like, like outside of Josh Hart, obviously who can play, he, de- he defends guards all the time, but like, like an actual true guard who's out there to defend and play two-way ball. Yeah, and you know, first of all, I just want to say I think it's hard for everybody to watch Penny on defense, even even hard for Simons. I, I we love the guy. I'm not. It's not meant to hate, but he of all the things that Simons is bringing to the table, the defensive end is not improving nearly as fast as I would hope. The key there then does become what other defensive-minded guards can we bring in? And like you said as well, Josh Hart has played that role. Josh Hart can play defense against guards he we've used him as kind of that three guard lineup and he can certainly play up to two you know another thing we've talked about in trade conversations and all that but to have a true guard uh, a true guard playing that defense like gary payton uh, i think yeah hopefully we'll just kind of raise the level a little bit more so do you not do you see him being used to kind of stagger with damon penny uh, or do you think this is, are we going to see more of a three guard lineup situation kind of rearing its head again with uh with these three or i feel like it could be complimentary to like lineups where there's just Dame or just Ant. I feel like he could be very complimentary to both of those guys. Although I do still kind of wonder where like the ball handling is going to come from, from our guards outside of Dame, because, you know, in lineups past when it was Dame and CJ, CJ did a lot of that. Ant has not, I don't think has like grown into that yet. I don't know. He's more of a catch and shoot guy. Yeah, for sure. And he moves off the ball really, really well. And I think it's harder for him to run the floor 
than it was for CJ. No, I, I'm 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 with you. And I, again, this isn't meant to be anything that's hating on Simons too much. He's a fantastic player. He had a great game, scoring 30 the other night. The first time that Dame has been actively playing minutes in a game and had two other non-Dame Blazers score 30-plus. Uh, so Simon's is putting up numbers, absolutely. But like you're saying, I think Blazer fans for many years kind of had a little bit of wool pulled over their eyes by Neil uh, in the idea that Simon's was going to turn into this Dame light or this kind of playmaker. We've talked about this before, but he's just more naturally, I think we've seen he's he's more of a natural catch-and-shoot player. He's very good at it. He's more clay than he is like Dame, though. I think you're making a good point there this idea of dame light he's he's more cj light it's not than the same light like yeah he's, yeah he's your second he's he, he's he's well you know he's he's one of the robins but he's not the original robin you know to throw it back <laughs> to you for your batman references uh because here's the thing keith knows rose will know she listens to the pod about me toot my horn toot toot <laughs> but who got who got crazy eyes from all these people on discord when i said Jeremy Grant is going to be the team's number two option. Everyone thought I was I was freaking insane for saying that. No, it's Ant. This is, who's been the second. Well, who's been the best player this year? Taking out Jeremy Dame Grant. just because uh, just because of the injury and missing part of the time. It's been Jeremy Grant when Jeremy. it's on the floor. When he's on the floor, it's Dame. So when Dame's on the floor, who's been the second best player this year? It's been Jeremy Grant. So you still need more out of Ant. You're not getting everything from him. I think he's really really good. But he doesn't excel in the ball handling, the playmaking. He's that catch and shoot guy, kind of basically everything Rose already said. <laughs> to the point on GP2, real quick, you asked about what we saw from him. What I loved about him in this game was going from street clothes to wearing the uniform, you saw a different comfort level in how he interacted with players. Because mm. one of my favorite parts in the entire game wasn't a steal or a pass or a shot, it was chirping positively in Shaden Sharp's ear going into a timeout, Talking telling him, him where yeah. he needed to be defensively and mm. telling other players, hey, this is what you need to do. And this has been my biggest thing with GP2. Everyone's talking about his on-ball defense and this and that. I think his biggest asset is going to be being a quarterback on the defensive end of the floor because that's the one thing this team has lacked, not just an on-ball defensive guard. They haven't had a great one since Wes, as we pointed out. But someone on the defensive end that can just tell, hey, I need you to be here and you to be here. And when they set the pick, I need you to rotate this way. We need to get people in the right position. And that's where I think he's going to excel. He's going to be very, very smart in getting the best out of everybody on that end. I think that's going to make Jeremy Grant, who's been a great defender for this team thus far, it's going to make him better. It's going to put Josh Hart in better positions. I think if you put GP next to Dame in certain situations, as uh, Jackson Frank tweeted out earlier, showing some of his numbers, Dame is much better defensively this year now that he's healthy. At least he's showing effort on that end. So now you get a guy who really, truly knows and excels on that end. I got to go back to uh, media day when we interviewed GP and it is one of my favorite quotes maybe ever from a player. when we asked him about, you know, what made him a good defender? And he was like, well, you know, back in my early days of basketball, I really sucked at offense. So uh, my teammates wouldn't pass me the ball. So I realized that the only way I could get the ball was to steal it from the other team. So I focused <laughs> on my defense and I just love that answer. That's great. Like I love he, it. he understands offense is not his strong point. So he's going to focus where he can be really good. And that's on the defensive end. But again, my favorite part was just his, his him being vocal and trying to teach people defense. I think that's huge. So we had Jamie Hudson on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and she talked oh, a lot shut about up. Hey! Shout out the goat. Hey. She uh, talked a lot about how, you know, the things that she sees that we don't get to see on TV. And she sees 
Payton doing a lot of leading, even when he's not playing. And I think that there's something really, really valuable about having a guy who's also willing to insert himself into players' ears, even when they're Mm -hmm. not on the floor, even when they're injured, even when they're on the bench, even in practice. Like when he's talking about quarterbacking the defense, like I don't even think that Peyton needs to be in the game. We talked about close losses last week with Seth. He was pointing out that the Blazers uh, are only like four possessions away from being somewhat significantly better with with their record and and what kind of difference that can make in a close Western Conference. Particularly on the road, the Blazers have kind of struggled recently. We haven't won a game against a plus 500 team since the beginning of December. We've dropped the last three road games against uh, good teams in, uh, in Dallas, Denver, and Golden State. Fortunately, the schedule coming up here in January, 11 of the 15 total games in January are at home. We already played one at home. We have a three-game road trip coming up here, and then there's one more uh, road trip against Denver later in the month. But other than that, it is all at home. So this is a time. Uh, we've, got, we've got some easy opponents here, too. There, there's a rough stretch in the middle, but we've got uh, f- three of the next four opponents are in like the bottom five in their conference. Then several of the opponents at the end of the month are, are bottom of the conference as well. This is a time for the Blazers to eat. This is a time for us to kind of clean up the schedule, win the games we're supposed to win. Not off to a great start so far, losing the first two road games this month to Minnesota and Indiana, where we probably should have at least beat Minnesota on paper. But we'll wrap up the road trip tomorrow night in Toronto, and we'll be back to start this homestand for the rest of the month, and we'll dive into all of that more next week. How are you guys feeling? How are you guys feeling about uh, January? Does this have you... Ampros, do you feel like there's a place where we can kind of like separate a little from the pack? Can we climb the ladder in the West? Uh, I think there's potential for that for sure. I, when I looked at the schedule, like specifically before like jumping on this podcast with you, I was like, oh, like, you know, four road games, 11 home games. That sounds really promising. But then I like looked a little closer and I'm like, eh, we got a back to back with the Mavericks in the middle of their home. Like we have another back to back with the Lakers and the Spurs and neither the Lakers or the Spurs are that good. But like, I don't love the idea of playing two bad teams back to back just because it's a really good way to drop one to a team right. that's not so bad. That's a good point. A game you should win against a bad team. Now you're being put in a bad position to win it. That's a good yeah, point. Yeah, I don't love. I don't love situations like that. I, the Mavericks, man, they they just like they're just like they the, crush us right now, man. Yeah, they feel like a. <laughs> They feel like the end boss, even though they're not <laughs> like just for us, I guess, matchup wise. I don't really know exactly what to think of that, but I don't love that two that two game back to back. Right. Yeah, that there's th- there's that stretch in the middle. Five games in a row. Cleveland, Dallas, Dallas again, road for Denver and then back here for Philly. That's a rough five game stretch. But the first three are at home. And be- again, before that, the fir- the four games before that. The teams are 11th in the West, 6th in the East, and 12th and 13th in the East. Then close of the month, we've got like a 12th, 14th, 10th in the West, and 12th and 9th in the East. So a lot of a lot of bottom feeder teams on paper. These are some winnable games outside of that middle stretch of Cleveland, Dallas, Dallas, Denver, Philly. Uh, I'm 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 ma- I'm maintaining positivity here. I feel pretty good. Chris, uh, what do you think, man? Are you trying to bring me down? How are you feeling about January? Uh, no, including the game uh, against Detroit, we we did this thought experiment the other day uh, on game day with Chad doing, and I had them at like what nine, ten wins out of their fifteen games in January, which I think yeah. is a pretty good run. Um, all things considered, do have a couple good uh, good matchups in there. Again, trade deadline February. Like if they run through January like they should, then the trade deadline should be very very interesting. So no, Keith, I'm not going to poo poo on you today. Oh man, I feel so nice. Feel so refreshing. (laughs) 
All right, final segment of the day, and we will let you guys both get out of here. Thank you so much for joining us, Rose. Really appreciate having you on and completing our, our set of Blazers What hosts. Because, uh, yeah, we, we had Cass on here a number of times, too. Shout out to Cass. So, uh, yeah, I feel like we've got, like, the extended uh, edition of, of Blazers What podcast host. If you get Lindsay on the podcast, and you'll have our full group chat. Oh, Lindsay, too. Dang. Okay, you're right. You're right. I got more work to do. <laughs> We're not fully at a complete set yet. We'll get there. It's like the busted bucket, guys. They keep adding co-hosts, and I have to keep getting more people on. We've got a couple of questions here from our listeners on Discord and listeners here on the pod. If you have not yet joined the Discord, you really should. I'm not sure what you're waiting for, but you could be getting involved with live episode recordings of pods like this one, a whole bunch of other podcasts as well. Blazers Water on there, Busted Bucket, Unbiased, Holy Backboard. We even got Sean Hyken and the Rose Garden Report at this point. Lots of content creators, local artists, game access with a third bench ticket group. We give away tickets uh, where we've been doing work for charities as well. You can do some good and go enjoy the game with good fans. We have swag exchanges. We have game night chats here in Discord. If you can't actually go to the game yourself, all of this by fans of the team for fans like you. Come and join the Discord. The link is in the episode description. All right, my friends. First question coming in here from Ahsoka360 on our Discord. Shout out to her. Shout out to Ahsoka. Uh, been a, a wonderful time. We She came with us to the, the draft party. She's gone to a number of other games. She's not... I don't believe she's part of the third bench but she's joined us for some of the ticket nights up there so again listeners if you want to come enjoy the game come get on discord come and hang out with the third bench we will get you there ahsoka asks if the blazers were a strain of weed what would they be called would they be a sativa indica or hybrid this might just be a me question i'm not sure if if you guys are either in, if either of you are really in this category this is I more don't know of a, any of those words what are those words <laughs> All right, well, let me just say real quick, I did some some quick research. Uh, since I figured this might just be more of a me thing, when you're looking at different kind of strains of, of marijuana, of psychoactive cannabis, the, the science is still a little, it's a, it's a young science field, but there are different strains that have uh, cannabinoid and terpene content that gives them some, some different effects. So I looked at a couple, wanted to kind of find some things for uh, Blazers-centric weed consumers. And I, I've got some color-coordinated uh, strains here. So we're going with White Buffalo. White Buffalo is a, a very lightly aromatic strain. It's mostly known to be kind of a clear-headed hit. Uh, it's not super energizing or anything, but it keeps you awake. doesn't lock you into the couch as much. We also have some Red Runts. Red Runts is a hybrid strain. I, I've been enjoying that myself, actually. It's a, more of a, a, a limonene-dominant strain. It's high in terpene. Uh, it, it's pretty tasty, but that covers our white and our red. I couldn't find a black strain. Sorry, Ahsoka. I couldn't go full red, white, and black. But I have one more for the Blazers. It's called the Golden Goat. Uh, much like a lot of the Northwest hops and the IPAs we get up here, it's a fruit-forward citrus flavor. Probably one of the tastier strains out there. And it's, it's known for helping to fight anxiety and depression, which, again, living up here in the Northwest, we often experience some seasonal affective disorder. Golden Goat is your answer for that. So uh, White Buffalo, Red Runts, and Golden Goat, those are your Blazers strains. Wow. We've gone <laughs> off the rails. How, how, how old's your daughter, Rose? She's six. <laughs> six okay your daughter's six i have a seven and a five-year-old so if you wanted to make this better like it, we need a question for our guests and me like it's it's like if the blazers were a disney plus tv show what would, there we go. would their show be like that now then rose and i would be in the wheelhouse right like like true. yeah if, if the blazers were bluey characters who would they be oh I, I got this unlocked i mean if we want to talk disney plus we still got star wars and marvel on there i could get into that one we can go in for that one next week no <laughs> but ahsoka no. asked about weed strains and i had answers we we you know we we cover all topics on here 
We are a show for all fans. This is the first time I've ever heard someone describe a weed strain as fruit forward. Isn't that usually reserved for wine? <laughs> all right, two questions here from Mac Deuce. Uh, shout out to Mac and shout out to Ahsoka. Shout out to all the people on Discord that have been putting content for us. Really appreciate the listener questions. It keeps it fun and fresh, obviously, like we're talking about with that last one. First question from Mac Deuce. It's only been two games for Jabari getting real rotation minutes, but do you think he's taking Trendon's spot? And real quick, we had another one of our listeners chime in. Ike, uh, possibly Watford has shown some value this season. We could be testing the lineup without him to see if Watford is tradable. So what do you guys think? Is uh, is Jabari, is the rookie already taking over the minutes from Trenton Watford? And is this possibly about trying to put Trenton into a trade package? Uh, I don't know. I'd be really sad if they traded Trenton Watford. I think that they serve different roles, at least the way that I've seen them used. Uh, Jabari obviously hasn't played that many minutes, but we've seen him play a little bit more. I feel like they do different things. Um, you know, Tr Trenton, one of the things Terry loves to talk about with Trenton is that he seems to be like very like calming for like the players when he's on the floor. And Jabari just feels like a rebound magnet. And like, not that Trenton mm. doesn't get rebounds too, but like, I just don't think that they like are serving the same role when they're in there for minutes. I feel like it could be like, like lineup experimentation and it could also sure. be like different, different experimentations we see based on the opponent that we have. Yeah, matchup dependent, totally. I could see that. And yeah, they're, they're definitely not exactly, they're not clones. Like Jabari's got more height, a bit more of a shot than Trenton, right? Uh, plays a bit more above the rim. Maybe Trenton's more of a playmaker probably, but that also just because we got like Jabari's a rookie. He doesn't have the experience yet or the vision for that. What do you think, Chris? Are they are they too similar? Are they gonna cannibalize minutes or I don't think they're similar at all. I think <laughs> I think Trendon is built more in the form of a Justice Winslow. Um just younger and still developing that. Um and then Jabari is more of that defensive big that you can throw in there. I think it's interesting and, and no coincidence that he ends up getting a big run and granted there was garbage minutes in there but it's like you have a defensive big who gets a big run 20 plus minutes the day that gary payton the guy who we just talked about being a quarterback and helping people defensively makes his debut so i think if you're focusing on defense i think jabari very much could start taking those minutes um i don't know if they're trying to shop trending just because contractually like he's not gonna i mean it's not a lot of value. With the way the cap is is right now, having had used their full MLE, all that stuff, like it's just he's he's not going to bring you a ton of value unless you're putting him with someone. Yeah. Uh, but I think if they want to improve defensively and with Gary Payton on the floor, then yeah, I definitely see Jabari starting to take some of those minutes. But to Rose's point, it kind of depends what you're after. If you're after playmaking, like if your team's struggling a little bit offensively and you just need someone to go in there and make a play and bring a little bit of energy on that end. I put Trenton in, but if you're looking to go make some plays defensively and get energy back in on that end, that's where I'd run with Jabari. We've also had times where we've just like not been able to get rebounds, which is weird because like we're not a team that we should be able to get rebounds, but there's been times where we have lineups out there where we can't really get the rebound. And maybe that's where you use a guy like Jabari, who's just like a ball magnet. He's just going to yeah. be out there to, to snag the ball and like end possessions the way you should, right? Because who cares if you get a stop if you can't get the rebound? Like, right. we saw that a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, you got to control the ball. And, and I mean, the, we've talked before about the big problem with that is is Jeremy. Jeremy is not the greatest rebounder for his position. But then you got dudes like Nurk and Josh Hart and now Gary Payton, who are all 
uh, above average rebounders. So yeah, you you throw in those three. Hopefully you don't need Jabari to be the one grabbing the boards out there. Uh, it, I don't want to be relying on a on a rook for anything major like that. But at the same time, if that's part of his skill set and it's something we can use, rebounds, defense, and some stretch shooting from a big like that, I'll take it, man. Uh, so how about that? If if going forward, it not not necessarily saying they were warming up Watford for a trade package, but if going forward we could only keep one of these two on here, who are you going for? You, the rookie Jabari or, or Trent Watford with kind of his uh his Winslow light set of skills? Hmm. Just in practice, Neither? just in practice, I don't I don't make these kinds of <laughs> decisions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think of myself as somebody capable of making them, and also just I. I get very attached to all of the players. And like Dame said, you know, remember when Dame was like, if I was the GM, then like, I forget who he said would still be on the team, but like somebody who was- They'd like, all be on the, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I feel about the players. Like it's not my job to make those kinds of determinations. I like them all. And I also I also think that those guys are both so young. We don't even know what they could be. It just matters of what how we see, like how how the, the management sees like the forecast of the team going forward. Who do the, Whose skill sets seem like most valuable to develop for us here? And which might be which of those players might be valuable to develop for other teams elsewhere mm. yeah yeah all right final question also coming in from our guy mac deuce he says they obviously won't do it but put on your tinfoil hat for a minute could the team be better if penny simons was the sixth man but think like a ginobili sixth man in terms of he'd still finish games and get started minutes just coming off the bench uh and once again we have our guy ike chiming in we've got a question channel in here and people posting questions. Ike, he's just trying to answer the questions for us before we get to the podcast. Thanks a lot, buddy. Uh, but Ike says, I've been saying I want Penny as six man the whole time, so tinfoil me up. Uh, I agree they won't do it, though. What do you guys think? Do you agree, Rose? Do you think, uh, A, w would it be helpful to see Simons coming off the bench? And do you think there's any possibly possibility the team would do it? I don't know. I don't... I. I... If this were still Neil O'Shea as the GM, I would say 100% they would never do it. I don't know what this oh, team, okay. what this team would do. I, I'm I'm still kind of working through the idea of divorcing myself from Anthony Simons being like a replacement for CJ because I don't think that that's like the correct way to view him at all. He's an incredible bucket getter, like mm -hmm. incredible and high ceiling. But would he be better in in those situations? I don't know. It depends on what those lineups look like. It, it just that's somebody when, else, for somebody else who does the X's and O's to figure out. And I just know <laughs> that he could be very, very good in lots of different situations, but maybe not all the ones perfectly that CJ or some of our other players have been in in the past. And yeah, it's it's a it's a tough question to answer because obviously we've seen n not a lot of coaches in general sub out like straight bench group for starter group. You you have a lot of integration kind of staggering between them. Billups has been even more so, I think, really into that where you, he doesn't play a lot of the bench players together, I, I think, a outside of garbage minutes or, you know, end of uh, end of periods when it, when he's just kind of trying to fill the space. But yeah, it, Chris and I have talked about this on the pod before too. Simon's biggest asset, his greatest skill right now is catch and shoot. You don't put a great top tier catch and shoot player with dudes who can't get him opportunities for catch and shoot uh, all of the bench. You don't have him go to the bench where he then has to do all the work himself to create his own shot uh, versus the idea where when he's playing next to someone like Dame that can get some of the pressure, some of the gravity towards Dame. And now Simon is just that much more open for, for what he does best. Uh, it's, it's a tough position. And you know, the other side though, is we've talked about Simon's lack of defense. It really does turn into a thing where if the concern is like with Damon CJ, that you can't have two guards who can't, uh, hold their own defensively, maybe with the solution is you got to move one of them to the bench. And obviously, you're not moving Dame to the bench, so Simons would be the next uh, natural answer. But Chris, tell me where you're at on that. Why, why does that not make sense to you? Ant on the bench? Uh, because 
Why? Why? <laughs> because tinfoil hats, that's why. Because no, Ginobili could do you it. Just say, th- same thing you just said. His best asset is catch and shoot. So who are the best passers on the team? Well, right now it's Damian Lillard. Uh, it's Yusuf Nurkic. It's probably Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant. So you have him in a lineup with the best passers who not only can pass, but they have gravity that draw the defender that allow him to get that shot. If you put him fully in with the second unit right now, if he's running with Shaden Sharp and Keon Johnson and Trenton Wofford and Jabari Walker and Drew Eubanks, he's getting put into that more point guardy, run the offense, be a playmaker role, which is what CJ did, right? However, as we've argued since day one, and Rose has alluded to here, stop trying to think of him as a replacement because they're, the way they play is so different. Like CJ can control the ball, run an offense, create his own shot in the mid range. Cause he had some of the best handles in the NBA. That's just not, Ant. I think if you put him as more of a bench guy, he ends up having to be the point guard, which isn't his best role. And you take away his strength because do you, are Keon, Shaden, and Jabari going to be awesome facilitators who allow him to get a bunch of catch and shoot shots? No. So he's best suited within that starting lineup, and I don't think that's that's even questionable. It's easy to say, oh, he's a he's a great scorer, and the the bench needs scoring, but it, it's just the way it would balance doesn't solve that at all. Right. Yeah. Is there like a, he, is there a player like that that like? that plays ant style that comes off as a sixth man elsewhere like i can't even think of another player in the nba that has his skill set that comes off the bench i i think i think a close comparison in recent years not this year because he's been thrown in there but uh jordan clarkson Mm. yeah yeah there you go a guy who's got more of a handle too that's the thing though that's what i was just gonna say is he's a pure scorer he can play well in the catch and shoot but the difference between he and ant is he has that cj mccollum ability to put the ball on the floor and really go create his own shot like ant can get by his defender and drive to the rim but that's different than using those handles and and really creating your own space which he doesn't do uh like again like a cj mccollum or even a jordan clarkson but jordan clarkson comes to mind as a guy who is a starting type player who has largely come off the bench uh, there in Utah. He's been a starter this year, though. But hmm. again, not a lot of people that you think of ant skill set as a, as, a, as a bench guy. Maybe that Jamal Crawford kind of player, too. But again, like the Jamal Crawford. Again, Jamal Crawford, Lou, Lou Williams, bucket Lou getters, Williams, yep, yep. shot creators, ball handles for days. Ball mm. handles for ball days. Ball handles being the difference, though. And that's just Simons doesn't have that tight handle yet. This is always where my brain goes when I, why I ask the question, is there another guy like that? Is because if it's never been done before, maybe there's a good reason it hasn't been done before. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's absolutely a fair point. All right. Well, that is all the listener questions we have for the week. And Rose, thank you so much for, for coming and joining us. Uh, you know, I was really excited. I thought we'd completed our set of Blazers What Host. Now you point out we got to get Lindsay in here as well. So a little mad at you for that, but thank She's you. She's not actually the host. I'll say that. She's not, she doesn't actually host, oh, okay. but she comes on quite a bit. And she's part of our like foursome group chat. There you go. It, it's 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 completing the. It's not the host set, but it's the what set. Uh, and we'll get all of you in here at some point. We've we got three of the four. We're, we're very close. So Lindsay, shout out to you. We'll get you in here soon. Rose, thank you so much. We'll get you back for some of those uh, those bad vibe rankings around the league. Because uh, I, I love that topic. I think this one we can definitely get into. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy New Year for everyone. Thank you all for listening. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. 
that's our show. Thank you again to Rose Harding of the Blazers Wet Podcast. Thank you, Chris Burkhardt. Thank you, Odar, for these fat beats. And thank you, all you listeners, for a great listening. And also, all of you listeners on Discord. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again. Please come and join us on Discord. And please come back next week for the next edition of The Trailcasters. Sweet. <laughs>